call the D2R Podcast Network hotline, USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. If you call and we're recording, we'll take your call live on the air. If you call and we're not recording, leave a voicemail with your name, the show you're calling for, and we'll play it live on the next show. The hotline is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Once again, the D2R Podcast Network Hotline, USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. Call today! To Reality Entertainment presents the Think Tank Podcast. And now, coming to you pre-recorded, deep undercover, in the world's deepest, darkest, most secure, Hadron Collider and nuclear bomb tested and approved doomsday bunker, here is Ryan the Area Man. Uh, this is uh, Jim Fetzer continuing my discussion of how to spot a false flag, a sampler of orchestrated events, part two. I want to return ever so briefly to the Charlottesville case and the helicopter crash. Uh, uh, you may have noticed the fellow who put the video up on YouTube was not sure whether the these two guys were the right guys, but Frankly, there are general considerations here that make it inevitable that they are, uh, to wit, that this is the only chopper that's reported to have crashed. We've got the names of the individuals. It's been widely reported, and they bear a very strong resemblance. Uh, where you'll notice in this image, the trooper on the right in the lower left is a trooper on the left here in the main image. The trooper on the left is on the right. Uh, you're not going to expect an exact correspondence from photographs that appear to have taken years before, but you're certainly going to have a general resemblance. There is that general resemblance. And in my uh, judgment, there's more than enough uh, evidence here circumstantially to conclude these are the guys. I mean, who else could they be? Now, if you, 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 of course, uh, neither I nor any of my colleagues is infallible, and if one wanted to dispute it, you could always seek to get more evidence, try to do, for example, uh, superpositions of faces, as we did in the case of Noah Posner, proving that he actually was made out of photographs of Michael Vabner when he was younger. Uh, but it's a question of whether there is sufficient reason to do so. In my opinion, there is not, but... I would welcome anyone who wants to make an argument to the contrary. I, in fact, sent this to the guy, Heapfee, who had done the investigation, pointing out he committed three blunders because he, he, he had the wrong driver identified. He assumed that Heather Heyer had died on the scene, and here he actually endorsed the idea that these two guys had been killed. He, he's with a big, uh, prestigious law firm. He's had this for I don't know, six months now. 
he, he would have been in a position to offer a rebuttal uh, or even a refutation where a rebuttal is a response with an argument. A refutation is one that is successful. In other words, you can have lots of rebuttals that don't qualify as refutations because they're uh, that they they may not be strong enough to establish their case. They may be begging the question by taking for granted that they're right when there's reason for doubt and so forth. So this, this is a, a refinement. But just to emphasize, this is a case where should someone want to pursue it further, you're welcome to do so. And I don't encourage you to take anything I say uh, just because I say it, uh, rather look at the evidence I present, because in every case I seek to share with you the evidence that's affected me. Let's go to Las Vegas anomalies. This is a really stunning case because no one was actually shot. It was a movie. They used a pre-recorded soundtrack of a machine gun firing. They edited coordinated special visual effects of lights flashing. The concert crowd was seated with as many as 500 crisis actors. They began recruiting an outfit in L.A. called Crowds on Demand 15 days in advance. Uh, here you see some footage, and I'm going to play it, because you see a light flashing in the middle of the Bellagio. Now, this is significant because the sheriff is playing. He knows of no evidence of any indication of a shooter other than for the 32nd floor. Well, frankly, I've seen no evidence of any shooting from the 32nd floor. But there's clear evidence of simulated shooting here coming from the middle of the Mandalay Bay, and it's interesting he's never addressed it. But check this out. Right there, baby. That's the left lane, not the 32nd. And notice the sound is off with the light because he's filming from a crowd distance. Well, the sound's off from the light because it's just a coordinated special effect and it's not exactly right. There are other light blasts at higher floors. Well, with three lights flashing in, in close proximity to simulate American military weapons, which fire in three-shot blast. We have another uh, fake shooter here in the crowd. Uh, he's turning to fire in the crowd, and you can see the flash of light from his muzzle, but no impact of shots. Now, mind you, we've looked at 33 of these videos, and we found lots of sounds of shots, but no impact of any shots because no one was actually being killed. Uh, a Facebook friend, Dolores Marie Malloy Dryden, actually contacted the three hospitals, which were the closest emergency facilities from the alleged shooting, Spring Valley Hospital, AMG Specialty Hospital, North Vista Hospital. I asked if they could check their registry for a gunshot victim taken there from the mass shooting at the Mandalay Bay. I received the same reply from each facility. There were no gunshot victims admitted to this facility. You may want to check with local police. One woman said, if you're referring to the crisis drill that everyone keeps calling about, I'm sorry, there were no real gunshot victims. That was just a drill. If you don't believe me, call them themselves. Well, I believed her, but I did call myself and got the same answer from two. The third had apparently been gagged and just said no comment, which I told her I interpreted as a, as a no. But just realize, when those are the closest facilities, when you got such a vast number, they would have been overwhelmed had this been legit. 
We've also lots of other proof of them faking bodies uh, to be victims from the shooting here. You see a transfer of three bodies from a funeral home in Las Vegas to an ambulance to be presented as though they died, you know, at the concert. Uh, Intel Hub thought it had discovered a mini massacre at Hooters because there were 17 ambulances pulled up in front of the the, the establishment, but Looking at the internal footage, you found a whole lot of board crisis actors, each with their own sheet waiting to be carried out on a stretcher to be one more victim of the Las Vegas shooting. Here we have a relatively recent video that turned up. We actually have the crisis actor coming out in front of the camera to direct the two of them, uh, you know, to redo their scene and is embarrassed when it's actually caught on camera and most certainly didn't want it out. There were no actual deaths. They had to fake them. So we've got the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department crime map for the one-mile square around the concert showing no shooting incidents at all, none. A judge ordered the coroner produce 58 autopsy reports. So in order to accommodate the court's request, he released 58 fake and incomplete reports from six coroners, meaning fake in relation to Las Vegas. None of these appear to have a legitimate claim to having been persons who died in Las Vegas. Here's the Metropolitan Crime Scene map. And you'll notice, reading from the bottom up, this is from 8 p.m. on the 1st, 8 p.m. on the 2nd, and you have other disturbance, assault and battery, assault and battery, other disturbance, assault and battery, burglary, stolen motor vehicle, burglary, malicious destruction, other disturbance, other dis- recovered motor vehicle, other disturbance, other disturbance, robbery, not a single gunshot, fired or victim or whatever. I mean, this is totally fake. Now, this is just wonderful evidence because here you have the the police, the government officials' own evidence contradicts the government's official scenario. Here are the photographs. It doesn't inhibit them from creating, you know, a photographic display with bio-sketches of the alleged victims at at, uh, Las Vegas. This is from uh, USA Today, all very touching unless... You actually do the research, as Mona Alexis Presley has done the research, where I published multiple blogs about her findings that these autopsies were based on persons who died in other states or on other dates or from other causes of death. I mean, it's a complete scam. Here we have the Clark County Coroner releasing 58 autopsy reports, all names redacted, no ballistics, Stephen Paddock's autopsy kept secret. I mean, this is embarrassingly bad. Uh, uh, this is a blog uh, authored by Dan Cromer, who was the high, uh, IT guy who first noticed that the quality of the sound in Las Vegas was too high to have been legit, to have been recorded on the scene, that they had done a pre-recorded high-tech uh, audio track that they then played over the PA system in coordination, though not perfect, with uh, special visual effects where you had the, some 500 crisis actors seating the crowd to react as though they were being shot uh, on cue when they heard the coordinated effects. A district judge on January 30th ordered the Clark County Coroner's Office to release the autopsy reports of mass shooter Stephen Paddock and the 58 people he killed in the October 1st Las Vegas massacre. It appears that Clark County Coroner John Fundenberg was not expecting this corridor, and since nobody died in Las Vegas, he had no choice but to produce incomplete fake autopsy. The release of the autopsies for the 58 victims raises even more questions concerning the integrity of the Clark County Coroner's office. First and foremost, they're woefully incomplete. 
a stretch even to refer to them as autopsies, aside from the obvious fact that victim names and case numbers have been redacted. There are numerous missing key elements, inconsistencies, and curiosities. The 58 autopsies do not include ballistics, photographs, diagrams, x-rays, histology, or toxicology report. Why would the coroner's office not include this information, especially ballistics and autopsy reports, for the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in the United States, unless they had something to hide? And, in fact, the Las Vegas coroner shut down his office when he was uh, earlier being besieged with requests for death certificates and autopsy reports for the obvious reason that he didn't have any. So here's a perfect summing up. Uh, I survived crowds on demand, a crisis actress all made up with realistic-looking wounds. Researchers can't find anybody who died in Las Vegas. I'm telling you, this is how they do it. It's outrageous. It's a scam. Parkland issues of space and time. Where were Nicholas Cruz and David Hogg? Obviously, the same person can't be in two places at the same time. Cruz cannot have pulled the fire alarm after he had left the campus. Hogg can't have been at home and at the stool at the same time. I mean, here's a wonderful stuff by a woman who calls herself sane progressive. She's done brilliant work on Las Vegas and Parkland. You can find hers on BitChute, where YouTube can't take it down, because, mind you, they're taking them down right and left. It's absolutely outrageous. Florida shooting mainstream media disproves their own story through their own evidence, and she's basing all of her analyses on publicly available records. Notice the numer- the interesting one featured here. Numerous news stories from Fox to Daily Bees have reported that Nicholas Cruz pulled the fire <coughs> drill alarm at 2.30 to draw students out in order to shoot them, but official timeline shows Cruz left the building by 2.21 before the fire alarm went off. Well, if he left the building at 2.21, he cannot have been there to pull the fire alarm at 2.30. So there's an obvious problem. Here's another uh, CBS News after the March for Our Lives when uh, David Hogg, Emma Gonzalez, and others had given their speeches. They did uh, follow-up interviews with them. And it turns out that David Hogg got off script. I think psychologically this happened because he finished his speech. It was as though he'd completed that part of the script, and now he felt he was off the script. And he actually said what he realized, what he remembered from his own personal experience. Uh, you, you may or may not have noticed, but when the very first interview he gave, he paused and stopped and started again five different times to try to stay on script, which he was having a difficult time doing. Here we have CBS News, journalists embedded with survivors of the Parkland, Florida school shooting, take viewers inside the creation of a movement as students turn grief into action in documentary 39 days, which incidentally would have been a phenomenally short period of time in order to put together a major march. Six hours after the, the rally, Delane Attar says it wasn't even like an intentional we all grouped together. It was we all had different things we were saying, different things we were doing, people were responding to, and that just kind of a natural push to get us to come together and for us to become like a united force, right? David Hawk. On the day of the shooting, I got my camera and got on my bike and rode as fast as I could three miles from my house to the school to get as much video and get as many interviews as I could because I knew that this could. The word not isn't supposed to be here. This could be another mass shooting. Okay, so he was at home, and he rode his bike to get there. Uh, here's his uh, interview, and, and you, you, you'll see. Right now, we're in a school, an active shooter. It's not a drill. Yeah, it's currently. Hello. 
It's 252. Where are you? I heard one gunshot. Okay. Okay. We thought it was a drill initially. Oh. August supposed to have left the building at 252. 250. 221. So it's 252. And then we heard multiple. We heard more gunshots. And that was when we realized that this was not a drill. This was life or death. So it's now 3.13, and we've heard supposedly it's a senior, not confirmed at all. The senior is believed to be in Nick Cruz, but this is not confirmed. This is the latest information that we have, though. We still believe that the person has been uh, neutralized, but we're still currently on lockdown. We're on lockdown because there's active shooting. We thought it was a fire drill outside, and then people started running because there were shots. I didn't hear them personally. And then I started running. So, what's your message? Um, I really don't think there's anything to say, but there shouldn't have to be because if you looked around this closet and saw everyone just hiding together, you would know that this shouldn't be happening anymore and that it doesn't deserve to happen to anyone and that no amount of money should make it more easily accessible to get guns. Um, and that's that. Right, it shouldn't be impossible to get guns. I mean, the gun control agenda, this is supposed to be at the middle of the shooting. He claims to identify him at 313, but he wouldn't actually be identified until 30 minutes later. I mean, this is David Hawk doing his thing. Issues of identity, Las Vegas, the case of Stephen Paddock. This is rather intriguing where Intel Hub has redeemed itself. The same guy, of course, should have the same ears and the same height whose body was found dead in the suite on the 32nd floor, and whose body was subjected to an autopsy by the coroner. Photo evidence proves a dead guy to the leaked photos is not Stephen Paddock, Intel Hub, as I say. Notice here you have Stephen Paddock's ears smoothly connects to his face, smoothly connects. On the other hand, you have the body there in the suite on the 32nd floor that has Curled earlobes, they, they turn, they're not smoothly connected. Therefore, it's not the same guy, right? That's not that tough to determine. There's a smattering of shells here, by the way, which uh, in other uh, presentations we discussed in some detail where Scott Bennett, a former Army Intel and PSYOPs officer, has identified some of the casings there as for blanks, others for CO2 cartridges as in the case of gas-propelled pellet guns, apparently the prop master just threw these down, never imagining they'd be subjected to minute inspection. Here we have a body autopsy by Dr. Likely Not Stephen Paddock. Official Las Vegas MPD report reveals, turns out that the body is subjected to autopsy is 73 inches in length or height, which would be 6 foot 1. But we have a sport fishing, trapping, hunting license with the state of Alaska that shows Paddock was six foot four. Well, the same guy, the same approximate time of life can't be both six four and six one. So it's evident we're dealing with a different body here. Uh, and they have this new footage they've just released, uh, which bears certain resemblance to what we saw from, uh, from, from the, the uh, Paul shooting, uh, where there's no date-time stamp on the crucial parts. I mean, look at this image right here. No date-time stamp here on what's supposed to be Stephen Paddock. And, and, I, and I'm afraid they've just, uh, you know, faked it once again. Here's another very interesting issue of identity, the Las Vegas, the case of Jesus Compost. 
they change the encounter from the end to the beginning. In other words, they revive the script. This is really, really interesting. The initial claim was that Jesus, who was a security guard on the 32nd floor, had knocked on the sweet door for Stephen Paddock at the end of his shooting rampage. They'd had an exchange. Paddock had shot him and then committed suicide. But they have revised the story. So now he's alleged to have knocked on the door of Paddock's suite before he began the shooting rampage. Paddock is alleged to have fired 200 rounds down the hallway of this luxury hotel, but nobody noticed because then he proceeds on his rampage. Let me tell you how preposterous is the story, the revised, being uh, even more incredible than the original. Uh, Jesus was standing by for five interviews, including one with Sean Hannity, and simply disappeared. Then he turned up on the set of MGM's Ellen DeGeneres show. Yes, it turns out the Ellen DeGeneres show is owned by MGM, which will make a difference as we proceed. Here we have this timeline change, raising questions about hotel security and the police response. Mind you, they've never turned up any footage of this firing down the hallway, which would have been impossible to miss. Investigators have gone into the hotel, and there are cameras everywhere, including in all the elevators. I mean, it's obvious this is a massive suppression because they don't have the video because it didn't happen. Then we have, so we have officials that previously credit Campos, who was shot in the leg with stopping the 10-minute assault by turning the gunman's attention to the hotel hallway, where Campos was checking an alert for an open door in another guest rooms. But officials said Monday that Paddock shot Campos before his mass shooting, and they now don't know why he stopped. Well, that's really quite remarkable. Here is a, a, a Campos on the Ellen DeGeneres show, except that this Campos is like 30 to 50 pounds heavier, doesn't wear the glasses of the original. I mean, this is a, this is a Campos body double, apparently the best they could do. It's really quite stunning because uh, this Campos is still going with the original version of the script. And he knocked on the door at the end of the shooting spree and got shot in the leg. Not that he knocked on the door and was fired at 200 times. Here you see the actual Campos on the left there. He's obviously much thinner, wears glasses. Our our, uh, Campos body double, who is, you know, much too hefty in girth to be the real deal. Uh, doesn't wear the glasses. What's particularly interesting about this is that the real Jesus Campos bears a striking resemblance to the husband in the case of the San Bernardino shooting, where we even have the Craigslist ad for, uh, you know, uh, uh, crisis actors there, uh, where they're going to have transportation, food, uh, uh, good pay, some speaking roles. A lot of them are wandering aimlessly around because they don't know what they're doing. I, I found a, a highly qualified paramedic and did a critique of the abject violations of the standard emergency medical procedures for an hour on Sandy Hook, for another hour on Parkland. Uh, this is just one more indication of how many of these are completely scripted and faked. And there's more that could be said about it that I'll save for another time. Uh, well, here is exactly when I did that uh, two-hour with a highly qualified uh, staging attacks from Sandy Hook to San Bernardino. If you can find it, it's a real deal episode 137. I had uh, 215 of this two-hour video. is very substantial on all kinds of important subjects before YouTube began obliterating them and taking them down. And it's interesting, a security guard who actually works there 
uh, doesn't know and has never seen Jesus Campos. So this is a kindergarten who actually works on the 32nd floor. It had turned out fairly early on that for one to be a security guard in Las Vegas, you have to be registered as a security guard. And Jesus Campos' name was not that on that list of, of uh, uh, registered security guards. He wasn't registered for the obvious reason he wasn't a security guard, as this guy who is an actual security guard confirms. Who profits from false flag events? The case of Sandy Hook. 26 families split between 27 and $130 million contributed by sympathetic but gullible Americans. That's over a million bucks apiece for pretending to have had a child who died at Sandy Hook. The school board received a $50 million grant to build a new kindergarten through fourth grade school where I've gone uh, through across country kindergarten through fourth grade schools around the average of $7 million, not 50 Obama signed 23 executive orders to constrain our access to guns within a month and two days. Uh, this appears to have been a Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Eric Holder, Governor Daniel Malloy, Connecticut State Police, uh, Newtown uh, Board of Education, and Crisis Actor event where it turns out that Eric Holder met with Connecticut Governor Dan Malloy on the 27th of November no doubt to inform him that they were taking an abandoned school and going to conduct a drill and present it as a live event to promote gun control. We know from a presentation he gave in 1995 to a National Democratic Women's Conference in Washington, D.C., he actually talked about the necessity to brainwash, to brainwash the American people to change their attitude toward guns so that it's easy to see that the Sandy Hook event was a part of the brainwashing activity. Barack Obama, by the way, nullified the Smith-Munt Act of 1948, which precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used without. We've since had a a variable proliferation of these fake shooting events, uh, many of them, of course, included here. It turns out that the school had been loaded with asbestos and other biohazards, uh, which appeared to be uh, a principal reason it was abandoned by 2008. There were no students there hit by hurricane. Uh, There was a major flood in 2007. You see, they already, you know, as promptly as possible, tore the school down completely. You can see what remains there. And Barack Obama, for the payoff on January 16th, just a month and two days later, signed 23 executive orders to constrain our access to weapons under the uh, Second Amendment and introduce some mental health programs at a level where they'd never heretofore been imagined appropriate. That may be a very ominous aspect of this, using mental health criteria to disarm American citizens uh, in violation of the Second Amendment. And the Sandy Hook Commission went ahead to to ban guns that can fire more than 10 rounds without reloading, even though, as I've already demonstrated, there's no proof, in fact, that there was a a weapon used. Indeed, we've seen the kids were fabricated, so there was no event at Sandy Hook to respond. This is a part of what sometimes referred to as a Hegelian dialectic of creating a, a fake problem and then offering the solution you want in place as a response to it. Uh, so you have a commission investigating a non-existent crime and a non-existent problem and making recommendations about how to handle it. Many of us, by the way, including myself, were making efforts to inform them of the facts about the case, but they had no interest in the facts. 
they had their agenda and they were going to pursue it, which they did relentlessly. Who profits from false flag events? The case of Las Vegas. The MGM CEO, the CEO of MGM, which owns the Mandalay Bay, sold off 80% of his stock before the concert massacre so he could buy it back on the cheap and make a bundle. George Soros put a $41 million short on MGM Mandalay Bay so he'd make a lot of money when the stock fell. The Chertoff Group, which is into these body scanners, was salivating over installing them. I mean, it's really outrageous. Then we use the media silent, not complaining, as the government uses the Las Vegas shooting to push a bill allowing warrantless searches. This is very analogous to what happened in Boston, where they had a massive military presence in the city performing police functions in violation of the Posse Comitatus Act of uh, 1878 that precludes the use of military force to perform police functions. And, of course, they were evicting residents from their homes uh, without any warrant in violation of the Fourth Amendment against unreasonable search and seizure. So these are designed to increase the power of the state and to decrease uh, citizens' protections under the uh, under the Constitution. We've even got nine Republicans co-sponsoring more gun control for law-abiding Americans. I mean, this is really embarrassingly bad. It doesn't seem to be playing out that way, but not for lack of trying. Here we have hotels taking a new look at security after Las Vegas, but will customers sacrifice privacy? Yes, scanned at the wind and glimpse of Las Vegas' future. Do U.S. hotels need metal detectors? And you see some of the body scans of the kind they provide. It's very, very interesting that uh, uh, Chertoff, Michael Chertoff, who was our second head of Homeland Security, had all these body scanners in, installed in the airports around the country. Having had cancer, I avoid them. I sometimes go through these pat-downs where they try to make as uh, humiliating as possible. But frankly, they've never been tested for their safety. Uh, one of the journalists who was advocating their installation observed it only takes a 30-second delay in entering an entertainment venue to pass through a scanner. But who knows how much damage can be done to the human body by 30 seconds of exposure to radiation. Remember, when you go to see the dentist, he covers you with a lead vest before exposing your teeth to milliseconds of exposure and creating dental x-rays. So, you know, if the dentist will take that precaution for such a limited dose, who, who knows what's happening to us through these body scanners. This was uh, posted before the events of October 1st. Uh, on a forum, if their plan is successful, the state of Nevada will pass a law in the future making all casinos have mandatory metal detectors and backscatter machines. Soon after, a federal law will be passed to put these machines in universities, high schools, federal buildings, you name it. OSI Systems and Chertoff are the main producers of these machines. Sometime around 2020, Chertoff and OSI will merge into a single company. After they merge, the owners will sell off all their stock and make billions in profit. Mr. Chertoff has been in contact with Sheldon Adelson. Mr. Adelson will become a huge sponsor of these machines, and he will be the first to put them in his casinos when the law passes. This is my last message for now. Don't expect me to return anytime soon, John. Well, just think about it. They create these scams, and then they profit from it as private corporations at the expense of the American taxpayer shelling out money for devices that are completely unnecessary and exposing them to hazards of unknown 
quantification. I mean, this is a, a lose-lose for the American citizen and taxpayer. March for Our Lives. Booked months in advance of the Parkland shooting. The protocols in Washington, D.C. require a letter of intent at least six months prior to the event. Six months, remember, that's 180 days. Officer Scott Earhart confirmed it had been months in the planning. The formal permit, however, uh, may have been issued as, as late as 13 March 2018. In other words, these things can be in the works or being processed before the actual formal permit is released. Here is a Dr. Ewan blog I, I republished. FOIA request reveals March for Our Lives planned months before shooting in place. Uh, on March 24, 2018, one month and 10 days after the February 14th shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, student-led pro-gun control March for Our Lives demonstrations took place across America, including Washington, D.C., where the hour in March for Our Lives is supposed to refer to students. But it turns out that only Domagard was sent a copy of an email from a, a correspondent of his who has been highly reliable in the past based upon an inquiry he'd made to about the when the permit process had proceeded from one officer, Scott Earhart, badge number, phone numbers, all that. Uh, where Officer Earhart replied, good morning, in reference to your inquiry concerning the March for Our Lives demonstration here in the District of Columbia on March 24, 2018. MPD, Metropolitan Police Department, received a permit application several months prior to the actual event, and there was several months of planning for this large event. If you're requesting additional information, follow the steps, follow a Freedom of Information Act request. If you have additional questions or concerns, be please feel free to contact me directly. Well, I've actually called to Officer Earhart. I called on Saturday, left a message. It said he'd get back the next working day, which was yesterday. He didn't call back. I called uh, I called again. He hasn't called back. I've actually submitted a Freedom of Information Act request. It's very interesting that when you look at the protocols here, it even says very explicitly, need to close a district roadway for a special event. And, of course, this one involved closing lots of roadways. Read uh, the planning guide for details. Submit a letter of intent for presentation of event proposal no later than 100 days prior to the proposed event death. So it appears that uh, the officer has it exactly right. It had to be put in as much as 180 days in advance. And since it was on... Uh, you know, March 24th, that's March, February, January, December, November, October, you know, could have been uh, August, for example, when this was submitted. So I made my inquiry to date from 1 June 2017 up to 24 March 2018. Meanwhile, uh, Earhart, having been caught with his pants down, has been trying to make up for it, trying to pull him back up. Now he's saying that, uh, not, uh, the March for Our Lives uh, uh, was issued March 13th. Thought they were talking about the March for Life pro-life rally in January. Well, that's absurd. He actually said the March for Our Lives held here on March 24th. So how can he be confusing it with a pro-life march in, in January? He cannot. Then he's got a, 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 a someone else uh, made an inquiry, said it, that was incorrect. The permit was issued on March 13th. Planning began thereafter. Well, March 13th to March 24th is, what, 11 days? 
Does anyone believe you could conduct one of these massive events in 11 days? And here he reports that they filed March 13th. That's as though they filed then for the application when he's saying that's when it was issued. This can't both be correct. Here are a couple of fairly obvious responses. Common sense would dictate that it would be impossible to get all staging, the Soros busing, and all the systems, toiletry, catering, and so forth, if it was March 13th. Heck, local festivals usually have people working all year uh, to plan on a full-time basis to produce a once-a-year event. Uh, to think an event uh, as such was planned in mere days is insanity. And who would plan without a permit? It seems the officer in question changed his story because everyone in the world was bugging him, and, of course, the evil ones would know. Another, just from personal experience, it takes several months to plan for parades, marches, fundraisers, and like events. I'm also referring to ones that are much smaller. Don't let this one slip away. I also found it odd that in the reply it read March 13th, but without a year, unprofessional. Made a phone call as needed to further authenticate who you are sending emails to. Good luck, good work. From another uh, uh, website where they're discussing this event. Uh, I have no doubt that, in fact, the the officer is concerned about his uh, paycheck and his pension uh, and that he's having to scramble to make up for information that he released, uh, no doubt inadvertently, which has led to these revelations. Here's another reply where he confirms he confused March our, uh, for our lives with March for life on 16 January. But he refers to March for our lives by name and date, 24th March, in the original, making this explanation completely indefensible. I am sorry, but Officer Earhart has now turned into a second-rate liar for corrupt politicians. Hate to say, and now we get back to the discovery by Tony Meade, that even in Ancestry.com, the, the 20 most recent obituaries in Parkland, Florida, do not include any of the victims from the Parkland shooting, no doubt, because there were not. This is one of the cases where they slipped up. This just bypassed. Somebody forgot to post fake obituaries. Remember, they'd done that at Las Vegas, and we've gone to great lengths to expose them. They had even uh, fake funerals in, in uh, Sandy Hook, where... James Mattioli, one of the decedents, actually turned out to uh, attend his own funeral. And where we have the the coach who's alleged to have been shot in Parkland turning out for another funeral, and from the the size, the girth, the head, large, uh, mostly bald, the distribution of hair, the glasses, it's clear that this guy is the same coach who's supposed to have been a hero. Who profits from false flag events? The Parkland political agenda. Shooter wearing a Make America Great Again hat at a symbolic high school setting. Immediate calls for gun control to affect the political narrative. Changing the narrative from the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, FBI collusion scandals, which have fallen apart, where those who are paying attention know that it's now a major scandal that high-ranking officials of the FBI, including James Comey, Andrew McCabe, this Peter Strozak, his girlfriend in the DOJ, Lisa Ph., were all involved in this uh, Christopher Steele phony Russian dossier uh, where the DNC and the Clinton campaign even helped to pay for it. I mean, it's completely outrageous. Uh, Instagram post of a Florida school shooting suspect wore a Trump Make America Great Again hat. So what's that supposed to mean? People who follow Trump are loose nuts and they're going to go and shoot up schools? 
But the whole thing staged, as we've already seen. This is just to pin the tail on the wrong donkey. Turns out Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, after whom the school was named, was an American journalist, writer, feminist, and environmentalist. Guess what? Known for her staunch defense of the Everglades against efforts to drain it. How about that? She was opposed to draining the swamp. Now, this was taking place in near proximity to Mar-a-Lago, only like a 40-minute drive. So clearly the message is, uh, Donald, you better uh, stop draining the swamp or you're going to find these kinds of events are going on all over the country. Of course, we get immediate demands for gun control. All the usual Democrats who've attempted to gut the Second Amendment over many years were tweeting the urgency to strip Americans of the right to bear arms while the crime scene was in the early stages of investigation. And guess what? It's panned out that we found proof after proof this whole thing was an elaborate staged event. And no one appears to have died there. Think of the timing of the Florida high school shooting, too perfect not to be a false flag operation executed to deflect attention away from the Democrats' unprecedented spate of serious scandals. It was also designed to take away the guns this year, which the Dems can't do fast enough. They know that at least half of the U.S. citizenry is on to their stealthy and surreptitious purple revolution. And they can see the torches and pitchforks and guns slowly approaching their sanctuary city. They, it, 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 an insider book shattered that was published by two investigative journalists uh, in early 2017, in fact, exposed that Robbie Mook and John Podesta made up the Russian hacking meme in order to deflect attention from the incompetent campaign they had run from the contents of the WikiLeaks uh, uh, revelations which led directly to Pizzagate where John Podesta himself is pedophile in chief and away from Hillary's own entanglements with Russia where with the approval of President Barack Obama she sold 20% of U.S. uranium reserves to Russia for a $145 million contribution to the Clinton Foundation by way of a Canadian company called Uranium One. So think about it. If Julius and Ethel Rosenberg received the electric chair for sharing atomic secrets with the then Soviet Union, what do Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton deserve for selling off 20% of U.S. uranium to Russia? Ever since Obama took office, there's been a steady stream of mass shootings right to this very day, primarily during his second term. In this manner, the behind-the-scene perpetrators are constantly applying Chinese water torture to American consciousness, with each successive school shooting, more parents are fearful about the plight of their children. After all, you never know when and where the government's next mind-controlled terrorists will strike. We have a very interesting piece for Yosuchi Shimatsu about the St. Valentine's Day massacre, saving Debbie Wasserman Schultz Dem from the Awan uh, probe. The congressman from Broward County, actually she's in the adjacent district, uh, the 23rd rather than the 22nd, had this to say in the wake of the school massacre, uh, we must do something about the senseless epidemic of gun violence, and we must do it now. Our message is clear. Gun control is a prime issue for the midterm elections in Florida, where 11 Democrat-held seats have been up for grabs due to the Imran Awan spy scandal in the U.S. House of Representatives, the main sponsor for the Pakistani computer service team, that gained real-time access to classified files with the same congresswoman from Florida, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, head of the Democratic National Committee at the time of the gunshot murder of Seth Rich, and the mysterious death of lawyer Sean Lucas, 
who, by the way, had served a class action lawsuit on the DNC on behalf of Bernie Sanders supporters, along with the killing of several other DNC foes, including, by the way, a federal investigator whose body washed up on the beaches of Sarasota, not far from the residence of the judge who was overseeing the investigation. I mean, this has been going on right and left, and the, the, the mainstream media isn't putting two and two together because they're paid not to. Very embarrassing. Who profits from false flag events promoting the political agenda? Guess who organized the extensive student anti-gun activities? Massive PR campaign to promote voter registration for the DNC. March for Our Lives was a DNC, DWS Hollywood production. And we know the players. G. Edward Griffin has published a piece. Guess who organized the Parkland student anti-gun activist hint? It wasn't the students. Mainstream media has praised the students at Harkland High School for their ability to organize gun control activism on a national level with a march, a mass school walkout, raising a million dollars from George Clooney and Oprah Winfrey. In truth, Congressman Debbie Wasserman Schultz lobbied the Florida State Legislature. A teachers' union is providing the buses. Michael Bloomberg and the women's march groups are organizing the upcoming March for Our Lives. Most recently conducted, MoveOn.org is promoting the project on social media. Training for student activists is provided by federally funded Planned Parenthood. Except for David Hogg and a few of the others who are in the know, a crisis actor was set up as a student spokesman. The kids have no idea what's going on, nor any idea about the ups and downs of pros and cons of gun control. Here it turns out that Heinrich, who has a Red Ice Radio, among the most respected of all the invest citizen investigative journalist uh, sites on the Internet, has outed the organizer as a Hollywood producer, director, who happens to be Jewish. Uh, that, I think, turns out to be important here because, for example, the Broward County Sheriff, uh, Scott Israel, ran uh, as a Jew, uh, to become the first Jewish sheriff, citing the Talmud. For those who are unaware uh, of the content of the Talmud, it may be the most racist document ever authored by the hand of man, espousing the theory of Jewish superiority, uh, where the Jews are as superior to the other human races as are humans generally to the animals, where the uh, Jews are entitled to abuse, lie, cheat, even kill the Goyim, the non-Jews, with impunity. I mean, it's outrageous. There are there are good Jews and bad Jews, just as there are good Muslims and bad Muslims, just as there are good Christians and bad Christians. Just aside a parallel with the Muslims, we know the Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia believe in slaughtering infidels and turning their women into sex slaves. Those are bad Muslims. Well, the, the Likudniks and the Zionists here who follow the Talmud are bad Jews. And, it, you know, this is not uh, remotely racist. This is calling it like it is. This is telling the truth. Uh, the, the, uh, there's a, a, a group who wants to protect Israel from any criticism by suggesting that those who criticize uh, Israel even for slaughtering the Palestinians, for example, or therefore being anti-Semitic, which is ironic on several counts. Uh, number one, uh, anti-Semitism involves discounting an individual or their opinions on the basis of their ethnic origins or their 
their their uh, uh, religious orientation, which is not involved here, hence no anti-Semitism. Number two, turns out most of the residents of Israel are descended from the Khazarian region in Eastern Europe and are not uh, descendants of the tribe of Judea, uh, since the Palestinians, by the way, actually are Semites, uh, and while the Israelis are not, uh, Israel turns out to be the most anti-Semitic state in the, in the world today. I mean, it's outrageous, but there it is. We have the angry students taking aim at gun laws at the next election. That's what you have to understand. This was a concerted effort by Debbie Wasserman Schultz and other Democrat uh, activists to change the narrative before the midterm election. Think of this uh, March for Our Lives as a campaign rally and uh, a voter registration drive on behalf of the Democratic Party, and you have it in proper focus. Hundreds of T-shirts were produced. Look, in 11 days, you couldn't possibly organize a march. Could you imagine producing all these T-shirts that were being put on sale? I mean, look, the, the, the shooting, uh, only took place on the 24th of March, on the, on Valentine's Day. It, it, it you know, this is a, a mode of productivity, a form of activism. Students couldn't possibly have had to do it. But when you have the vast resources of Democratic Party activists, Hollywood movers and shakers, producers, uh, you've got the resources and these people are used to organizing. Frankly, the students had nothing to do with it. Uh, Justice Paul, John Paul Stevens talking about repealing the Second Amendment. I mean, this talk about your absurdities. There it is. How fair is the gun control movement? Americans aren't buying it. NBC poll shows most Americans believe that guns make us safer. There's an inverse correlation between gun ownership and homicide rates. The more guns, the less homicides. Fewer guns, more homicides, contrary to popular belief, which has it that the more guns, the more homicides, but the facts are the opposite. Turns out there are only five, there are five million AR-15s in the United States, but only five have been used in mass shootings. And look, we know there's supposed to have been one used at Sandy Hook, but it was not. One supposed to have been used in Las Vegas, but it was not. One supposed to have been used in Parkland, but it was not. So all this focus on AR-15s is really completely contrary to the facts of the matter and appears to have an ulterior motive. In fact, it turns out that gun violence and homicides uh, have been steadily declining since the 1990s. You can download my book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, with the 13 contributors, including six currently retired Ph.D. college professors, for free, uh, after I released it as a PDF. And you can find the FEMA manual for the event as Appendix A and as Appendix D, Murder and Homicide Rates Before and Offer of Gun Bans by John Lott, who happens to be an expert in the area, and explains how uh, historically, after guns are banned, uh, homicides go up. The graphs on the right are perhaps even more instructive because it turns out that since 1993 and 2014, there's been a steady diminution in gun violence. For example, death by firearm per 100,000 people dropped from 15.2 in 1993 to 10.5 in 2014. That's a drop by a third. Suicides have remained approximately constant from 7.3 to 6.7, but deaths from homicide from 7.0 to 3.4. That's more than a 50% drop in deaths by homicides. Non-fatal violent gun 
firearm crime victimization per 100,000 has dropped even more dramatically from 725.3 in 1993 to 174.8 in 2014. That's about a 75% drop. So what's all this concern about gun violence? It's all contrived. It's artificial. Here's some data that is going to blow your mind away. It turns out that the nations that have the highest rates of gun ownership have the lowest rates of homicide, and those with the lowest rates of gun ownership have the highest rates of homicide. Uh, look at North America. You can see the United States and Canada among the highest gun ownership rates also have, when you look at the chart below, the lowest rates of homicide. Other areas like Latin America, South America, Brazil have low gun ownership, but among the highest homicide rates. Look at Africa, among the lowest gun ownership, among the highest homicide rates. So which would you prefer, high gun ownership and low homicide rates or low gun ownership and high homicide rates? In fact, as uh, Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show has observed, uh, we appear to be in the midst of a three-stage effort to uh, take over the country as a, as a new form of Stalinism where they're going after our First Amendment right, YouTube, Twitter, Google, just a massive onslaught. So we can't reveal the machinations of the deep state. But they're also attempting to go after our guns, whereas he observes a University of Hawaii's democide project reported that there were 19 genocides in the 20th century, all of which were preceded by gun confiscation. So if you don't want the United States to become the 20th, you want us to be able to keep our guns. Indeed, as Judge Napolitano observed, uh, the, the Second Amendment doesn't protect us uh, our right to hold, uh, to have assault weapons to shoot deer, it protects our right to have assault weapons to shoot tyrants. The majority of Americans say owning a gun increases safety. NBC uh, will be shocked to learn that 58% of Americans believe gun ownership increases safety. The rest will wonder what the other 42% might be thinking. Nearly 6 in 10 Americans say that gun ownership increases safety even as a plurality of respondents support gun control organizations, according to the latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. In the poll, 58% agree with the statement that gun ownership does more to increase safety by allowing law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. By contrast, 38% say gun ownership reduces safety by giving too many people access to firearms, increasing the chances for accidental misuse. Not only do a majority of Americans think that gun ownership increases safety, that number has been growing. Nineteen years ago, 52% said the opposite. That suggests that the media hysteria surrounding firearms, including its general ignorance in reporting on them, may have actually backfired. Which of these signs will prevent another tragedy? All weapons are prohibited on these premises or... Staff, heavily armed and trained, any attempt to harm children will be met with deadly force. Think about it. You don't have to go to the studies to know that uh, decreasing guns, creating gun-free zones, can increase the homicide rate. Just look at Chicago. There's a pilot project right there before our very eyes where Chicago has among the most stringent gun control laws in the case in the nation, but also... Uh, the highest gun violence and homicide rate, ask yourself what makes us safe, taking weapons away from law-abiding citizens 
uh, so that only criminals will possess them. The NRA had this right when it advanced the motto long ago, when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. Remember, they're not going to give up their guns. So if you take guns away from law-abiding citizens, you just give them a free field day, knowing that they're going to be in, in, in gun-free zones and be able to work their dirty deeds without any opposition. Think about it. All of us need to study these false flag events because the government is perpetrating these acts, these staged acts, in order to manipulate us, to instill us with fear, in order to manage our attitude and promote their own political agenda. Don't buy it. To remain free requires eternal vigilance. Study these issues and come to understand exactly how uh, and why they are taking place in order to take reasonable action to cope with the world as it really is, not the illusions that the deep state is perpetrating upon us. This is uh, Jim Fetzer thanking Ryan for this opportunity to address these crucial issues about false flags and their related constituent issues. Thank you very much.
please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, do you do shopping online? Well, do us a favor and go to d2rpn.com and click our Amazon banner and help out the network. It's going to cost you nothing extra. We get a percentage back from everything that you buy. And uh, you know what? That would be a win-win-win. It's a win for you, win for the network, and a win for Amazon. Um, Great prices, uh, everyday savings, and uh, you get what you want, and you're helping us out. So this is kind of like donating, but you get something out of it. It's great. Um, So go do it, d2rpn.com. There's banners everywhere on the website. Thanks for your support. Hey, fellas. Does your beard itch? Does your beard not grow in all the way? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got great beard oils with sensual love. We also include the emotional healing properties and the aromatherapy information with each scent. Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today and give someone the birth.